So people who really want to seek the truth within themselves, they're going to have to go through that process. It may not be as drastic as mine was, you know, but not to compare. But if if you have people who can support you, go out and like find that support. Because, you know, in the end, we really don't have to go through it alone. We can go through it alone if we want to, but at some point, at some point, we can't live the rest of our lives alone. We need connection. Greetings and love, you beautiful humans, and welcome to another Terrain Transformation episode. It's been a minute since we last did one of these. In this installment, my co-host Mike and I talked to Victoria Quinn, whose journey began within the military, took her into the allopathic medical system, and then brought her face-to-face with the terrain model, which completely altered the course of her life. She shares the intimate details of the dark night of her soul, the profound cues and signs she received from the natural world, which helped point the way, and how she's weaving the learnings about terrain into her daily life. We were so grateful to have her on, and we're excited to be doing another terrain transformation. We want to remind everyone listening that if you have or know of someone who has a terrain transformation story to share, a story of healing using alternative methods, modalities of the terrain model, drop us a note at ben at terraintheory.net. All right, on to the show. Welcome back to Terrain Theory. Okay, we are live. Victoria Quinn, welcome to the Terrain Theory Podcast. It's so great to be here. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on. It's great to see you again, even though it's across the screen. I think we mentioned you in a couple past episodes because it's been over a month now since The Hoot, which is where we've had the opportunity to meet you face-to-face. Prior to that, we had had some email exchanges because you been a listener on the show. And in that time, both Mike and I are now a little bit more familiar with with your journey and that journey that leads us to this present moment. And we we want to, we're calling this a, a terrain transformation episode, which we haven't done in a little while because your journey is really profound and you've really done what, what we perceive as a 180 in your life across both mind, body, and spirit. And we thought it'd be very useful to the listener to hear more about about your journey, like who you were before this transformation, what prompted that transformation, and, and where you are now in your life and what you're doing, um, the purpose that you find yourself serving in your life now. So maybe we could just start with, like, who is Victoria Quinn, and where did you start? Well... I like to say that I'm an extension of everyone's consciousness. Um, Being seen in the lens of Victoria Quinn. Um, And I'm kind of actually combining this with, you know, um, Anthony and Amanda. They're, they're, um, I was inspired by the way that they introduced themselves in the Terrain Theory podcast. Um, So, To relate with kind of what Amanda says, too, is that um, kind of the way that I've lived throughout my life is stumbling, mostly going through hardship in order to find 
the truth and everything. So kind of consistently getting burnt um, by my own decisions to find out, oh, okay, um, pattern re- recognition, this is, this is not the way to go. What's the next route? So, um, so yeah, I, I come from Sacramento, California. I have three other siblings, was raised Roman Catholic. Um, I mean, the, the summary is that, you know, I, I went to Catholic elementary school, high school, college, um, finance, um, was my major, went to, went into the military as a military police officer, left the army, um, joined real estate for a bit and then joined, um, joined the chaplain, um, program at, at, uh, an allopathic hospital. And that's actually when I started learning about terrain theory, but yeah, to summarize it all, that is who I am as Victoria Quinn. Tell us a little bit more. I, the military piece is fascinating. So you were an MP. So you've got two two bits of your past that are really fascinating to me. One is that military background, and then also the allopathic background. Like how how did those how how did those experiences shape who you were prior to what we'll call this transformation? Yeah. So you want to start with military? Sure. Yeah. Military. That was, that was a really interesting part of my life. And I learned a lot. Um, there, you know, we're, we'll go on mostly the bad things, you, you know, quote unquote bad, mostly the things that were very transformational in the military, but there are a lot of really good things. Like for example, you know, camaraderie, um, discipline, you know, we, we still learn about loyalty, duty, honor, respect, if you want to start naming the army values, but, um, the way that the values are, are attributed in the military is actually incredibly misleading. Um, I was inspired by my dad to join the military in high school. My parents complained, you know, that my older sister, you know, they, they, signed up for, you know, college loan. College loans were ridiculous, you know, during that time. This was around 2000, 2013 is when I started college. So um, around 2011, I was starting to think about what I wanted to do in life. Um, consistently felt like I was in an existential crisis. Um, I would, you know, I I would be in the chapel and, and just pray to God asking what I'm meant to do for my life, what my purpose is. I initially thought about the Peace Corps, um, but my parents, you know, they pushed, they pushed getting a degree. And so um, my dad recommended the Air Force RTC program somewhere else. And I said, well, you know, I, I think I want to join, you know, the Army RTC program in San Francisco. He actually, he actually said, to join the Air Force because they treat women better. And the reason why I chose the Army is because I, I told him, well, that's exactly why I'm choosing the Army is because I want to I want to be able to make, you know, I want to be a good female role model in, in, in the military and help change, um, 
you know, help change the paradigm <laughs> of the of the of the army. Um, he was an army cav scout. He was active duty for four years, and then and then got out and did national guard for I think either five years. I think five years. Yeah. Um, so, which is funny because I actually my total years in the army is nine years. So I think. Yeah, I think he and I both have nine years. I have to, I'd have to ask him. But um, yeah, as far as the military, when we learn about consciousness and we realize that everything is an extension of us, I learned later, I learned during the time that I was, you know, getting into terrain theory and, you know, um, this year, I learned this year that everything that I had manifested in the military is is actually was actually the polarizing dynamic within me. And so, of course, going into the military, I saw the the imbalance between you know the way that men and women were treated. And of course, I didn't like it. Um, I didn't find it fair. Um, I, I, and that's kind of how I started to get into the feminist movement of F men, men suck. Um, I'm going to do what I want, like freedom, um, independence as a woman, you know, wearing whatever I want and I don't care what anyone thinks about me. Um, which I actually did. Like we all, we all do. And that, that feminist movement is, is really, it's really just a rebrand of keeping the root chakra in balance specifically between men and women. So that, that whole, yeah, that whole feminist movement push is, was really to, which is still going on now with some people. It's still to create that divide, um, keep them separate or keep them, you know, arguing. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I was a platoon leader. Um, I was looking forward, I was nervous and excited to, that my platoon and I were chosen, um, to start this series of platoon deployments in, within our battalion to Iraq. Um, they were going to be working alongside a special forces group. The old battalion command team switched and the new one came out there or came. And when the new battalion command team came within two months, the battalion commander told me that I was getting switched with um, the male lieutenant in the same company as me. Um, even though I had trained my platoon, I helped train with like the platoon sergeant, stuff like that. And of course, of course, I was really disheartened about it. Um in the end, there there was a sergeant later on when I was an executive officer, and he 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 really when I told him what the battalion commander said to me, he you know he said, "You better start an investigation," or you know he's like he said, "If you don't walk out that door and you know tell someone about it, I'm going to." So it's kind of like, oh, okay, well I think I gotta gotta start this investigation. So there was an investigation. When I look back at it consciously, I definitely, I know within me that I wasn't ready and that 
I would have never wanted to go anyway. <laughs> um, and that, yeah, the, yeah. And yes, he got, he got reprimanded for saying some sexist things. And um, the thing is he, it was confirmed by, by um, some other higher um, senior leaders that he, you know, told about, told this to. So that did come out in the investigation, but, but yeah, that was kind of my decision. That was my decision to really decide. I don't think the army is my career because if I can't advance as a female lieutenant, I mean, we, we get, the deployment patches are really big thing. Like, especially as an officer, a lot of, a lot of, uh, captains don't have the deployment patch right now it might it might be changing due to what's going on in the world at the moment but um but yeah it, it the deployment patch is a big thing so the fact so I was disheartened by that and I decided well I don't think this is right for me and um when I made that decision no one could change my mind um I requested to go to CID after after that battalion. It was a cage kicker battalion. Yeah, we we manned the jail. Well, manned the jail. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean we're men and women. We're men. <laughs> um, and and so so yeah. When I was when I went to um, CID group. I was able to, they were, the CID organization was actually changing um, substantially due to the soldier who was, um, who was killed in Fort Hood, Texas. I'm forgetting her name at the moment. Um, I think it's Brianna, but um, yeah, she was, she was, she was missing for a few days and Due to a lack of, you know, a lack of uh, just a lack of control over investigating all, all that stuff, um, CID got in trouble by, you know, by the big army. Uh, and so now, you know, the whole thing was getting restructured. So I was able to, I was able to watch, watch them um, integrate more, like, blue suits than green suits, more civilians, um, and, and then finding out the budget and all that stuff. But, um, I was also able to see the, the evidence ledger and within our group, a whopping like 95% of cases are related to sexual assault sexual harassment, rape. And, and so, yeah, it's, the military is a huge, and these, these are the people who get, who are the, the people on this ledger, the, the, um, the criminals are, are soldiers. So it's like soldier, you know, raped his, his daughter or, um, you know, Oh, there, there are also, there, there's male, there are male on male cases too. Um, uh, there are quite a lot of mostly men hitting women. 
Um, and so, and, and yeah, they, it shows the evidence as well, like, you know, the cotton swab, stuff like that, that they collect. So yeah, it's, it's really, military is really, really depressing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were in for nine years, you said, and when you got out, then you entered into the allopathic system, correct? Can you walk yeah. us through that, like what you experienced in, in that system and how that might have steered you along the path to where you are today? Yeah. So um, once I decided, once once I chose the a leave date of April 15th, 2022, I got into real estate. I was influenced by... I was influenced by, you know, a boyfriend of mine to go into real estate, um, who was in the military and, and I, I thought, you know, subconsciously, you know, okay, I can potentially get a house, maybe even have it with him or whatever. Um, so got into real estate first that ended around December. And then, and so when that Luckily, I got my house. I got my house, and then a few months later, you know, I didn't have an administrative job in the real estate company anymore. And so after that, I um, I really just started thinking, I want, and this was the started during the dark night of the soul process. I really want a job that relates to like what I'm passionate about and spirituality, like. Just the word spirituality, anything, anything related to spirituality, like, you know, I, I've collected rocks, I've done tarot card readings, you know, I, I did, I did grow up Roman Catholic, so I still had many of these values, um, learning about Christ consciousness, things like that. Um, so it was just like anything related to spirituality where I'm helping people, um, that'd be great. So I was looking, I heard about you know, spiritual care coordinator that, that there, there's such a thing, you know, in, in certain jobs. So I, I found that on Indeed spiritual care coordinator at, you know, this hospital, I won't name it, but I was like, oh, well, great. Like mind, body, spirit, spiritual care coordinator. Yeah. Working with chaplains. And I was excited to work with chaplains. Um, and so that's, that's how I, that's how I started working at the hospital. It, I started January 23rd, 2023. And, um, yeah, it seemed, it seemed like, it seemed really, it seemed like a great job at the moment or like at the time that I, I got it because like, Oh, like this is it like spiritual care coordinator. And then maybe eventually I'll become like a chaplain, (laughs) whatever. Um, but yeah, simultaneously, as I was learning about terrain theory and um, and going through the dark night of the soul period, I was also realizing, okay, this job isn't as isn't as great as I thought it would be. You know, every we we all put our best face up, right? Like so, to find out, you know, the the boss, you know, runs around and and is just and is just you know, can't concentrate on one thing fully. Um, 
the dynamics of the office were pretty bad. Like, um, I'll be honest, my boss and, and, um, the CPE program director, they would, they would go into like a room and just gossip about all the other chaplains. And I was just like, Oh man, like this is not, this is not what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like nice and, you know, people are friendly and we love, we all love each other and we're all about like God or Buddha, you know, like we have some, we have Buddhist chaplains. So like, yeah, I thought, I thought it was going to be, yeah, I thought, I thought working with chaplains was going to be easy. Totally, totally not. (laughs) Yeah. But um, yeah, that's, that's how I joined the hospital. What else can you share with us and the listener about the dark night of your soul, like some of the other challenges that you were facing and so much of it. I'm so glad I'm on the end tail of it <laughs> now. I mean, it was really, it was all worth it. It was all very much worth it. It is a struggle. So people who really want to seek the truth within themselves, they're gonna they're going to have to go through that process. It may not be as drastic as mine was, you know, but not to compare, like, but you know, if if you have people who can support you, go out and like find that support. And I think the reason why I think the reason why mine felt so terrifying was because I just had a fear of even reaching out to anyone about it. I was so fearful of people calling me crazy. I was so fearful of telling people that I'm not doing okay. That, yeah, that, that's, why, that's why it felt so lonely at the time. And yeah, this gets into why I'm why I'm offering, you know, counseling and coaching now. Because, you know, in the end we really don't have to go through it alone. We can go through it alone if we want to, but at some point at some point we can't live the rest of our lives alone. We need connection. And that's the biggest thing. Yeah. During during the dark night of the soul process. Yeah, as I mentioned, you know, I mentioned in another podcast that I was finding out that everything relates back to me. So so when synchronicities started showing up, at first I was like Oh, that's a, you know, what a cool coincidence. What a cool coincidence. And then after a while, I was like, oh, these are popping up way more often now. This is not a coincidence (laughs) like this. And so it became spirituality developed from becoming a belief to becoming knowing. Like I, I didn't have to try to convince people or I don't have to feel, I don't have the, I don't feel the need to convince people anymore because there have been so many synchronicities at this point. It's, it's undeniable. 
it's completely undeniable. And, and when it becomes undeniable, then that's when we are meant to trust fall into the universe and, and follow the divine plan and not allow our past self or our ego self to always trying to be in conflict with it. Because when we try to combat, when we try to go against our what we're divinely meant to do or we're, what we're divinely called to do, then we're not happy. <laughs> like we get fearful, even in the smallest decisions, kind of like Mike hopped on earlier and I was, I, I still felt, you know, ill-prepared a bit like, um, you know, meditation, still working on some meditation and breathing and stuff like that. And so it's, it's even things like that. Like as far as any two decisions that we have, should I do this or should I do that? Or even multiple decisions. It's whatever decision makes you excited to do it. Like what, what do you feel called to do? Like not, not like, oh, I have to do this. I have to do that. Or, or, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm too worried that if I don't do this, then I might not, you know, make the meeting or blah, blah, blah. Like everything that we choose is, is based on love and not fear. So yeah, I was learning that during the dark night of the soul process, but more it, I've, we, we sometimes we tend to forget about it. Then we go back, you know, we forget about it. We go back. And the reason why is because, you know, we're still, we're still learning from our external environment, the little mini conflicts that we still have within ourselves. Yeah. And this can be like, these can be, this can be very small things, like very small triggers. It seems like, like you said, you had a Roman Catholic upbringing, as did I. And um, as a result, I sort of just, I've talked about before, basically just boxed up all things. Relig- I, I conflated religion and spirituality as just one thing. And I boxed it up and I sort of put it to the side and just didn't really want to deal with it at all. But then it, there's what it sounds like you're articulating is what, and I'm discovering as I hear your stories, we think that it's just like th- that the mainstream option is that's the only option. And then you realize like, oh, wait, there's an indie spirituality is what it seems like to me. Like, oh, you can like just you can break off and just do it yourself like indie rock, like which is what I'm all about. And I feel like that's what we're we're all doing. It's like, oh, shit, there's like a whole like indie underground DIY spirituality scene that like no one even told us existed. So and that I think relates to the the political chaos it's like you're you're told like this the mainstream the cnn the msnbc the fox the left the right the red the blue it's like then there's alex Zek. he's like there's this thing called voluntarism where you don't have to deal with any of it you're like oh my god no one told me there was like a whole other there was a whole other like philosophy and movement and an option another option and uh it's really beautiful to learn these things as we grow up 
and then this is this gets into the trope of like you know all the shit they don't teach you in school like and this is this these are the subjects that we're discovering like oh this is what they mean by that's at least that's how i interpret it this is what they mean by that and it's really interesting for me because i have two kids in school and i'm i'm watching it like in real time um what the curriculum is and isn't so um but so all that aside thank you for allowing me to discover indie spirituality because i'm gonna run with that from here on out (laughs) um but i'm curious did you say you're one of four sisters is that what you said oh one of three my bad or no no, sorry one of four I'm the second, and then there's the first, second, third, fourth. Yeah, there are four. Okay, one of four. Okay, and you're the second. Okay. Yeah. And, and how is your relationship with your family and your parents right now? Like, has it changed? Because all of this is so fresh for you, this this sort of uh, the butterfly coming from the cocoon, for lack of a, a better analogy. How are they experiencing your 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 terrain transformation? I'm pretty sure they think I'm crazy. Um, and I know for throughout my life, I've spent most of my time with them trying to convince them in some sort of way, whether it's convincing them that I'm worthy or, you know, um, funny or pretty or smart so we grew up with a lot of labels very naturally I was the wild one Hmm. I I was called the demon child (laughs) um wow yeah emo one that was one of my uncles said that to me like um I definitely was like, and I didn't really know how to control my voice sometimes. Like, of course, like when I would get angry at them for discipline and stuff, I would retaliate, you know, it was more like angry instead of talking um, level one-on-one. So that, that was something I had to learn was to be able to, you know, um, argue calmly with people. But the way that they, they know that I'm, they know that I listen to terrain theory because I have a loud mouth and I'm not, yeah, I, and I tell them everything I've, I've, you know, I've, I still talk with them and everything. Um, I have a, I have a little sister. Um, She's, she's still, um, yeah, she's still under 18. So I, I want to speak with her as much as I can. Um, but yeah, as far as, as far as like transformation, I don't know if they actually truly believe that I've transformed or that I'm just um, choosing another route and then going to fail that route and then whatever. Um, right. Like this is just a phase that she, that Victoria is going exactly. through. Like That's a very, yeah, I, I, yeah. I can relate to that. Victoria, you mentioned uh, awareness around synchronicities. What were what were some of those specific synchronicities that drew you into this space? Not just like terrain theory, but you know all the other associated spaces that where you find yourself like, 
quite immersed now. The synchronicities really started happening. I started noticing it blatantly with animals. Hmm. I would, I would, I would get high and go hiking um, quite often this year. And I started noticing that random thoughts that I would have would trigger a response from an animal. Like, Hmm. like I would exercise, I would get high and I would exercise like around my house and I would have a fearful thought and, you know, a, like a bee or a fly would just buzz in front of my face. And, and then I'm, I'm just like, Oh, (laughs) what's going on? Um, or if I had, and then like, while I'm still running, I would have a cool idea that I think about, Oh, that's kind of neat. Like, what if that was the case? And then a bee would encircle me like around me. Hmm. And, but so the first few times we don't notice it, but then after it starts happening over and over again, it's like, whoa. Um, like, for example, there are four hummingbirds, you know, that um, that I saw yesterday at my house. And I think during that time, I mean, I was getting ready for terrain theory, you know, all this stuff. Um, so, but yeah, they, they appear... Usually the interaction is very positive. When I say positive, I mean like loving. Um, When, not like they're not loving. Like nature is all about love. (laughs) But um, sometimes they give us warning signs. Um, But it's, it's normally very, very welcoming when I have an idea or I think about something or I, or I, feel thankful for something that happened. Um, There was a really intense, there was a really intense, um, like, sequence of of events with animals, specifically during Veda Austin's Water is God conference. Um, I had, I had gotten, I had bought, a, a full dead fish from, you know, a, a local, you know, fisher, like, um, yeah, a company. And so I had brought it up I for my cats, the, you know, for, to cook the day after. And at first, so when I looked at the fish, like, I didn't even know how to cut a fish. When I was 12, I researched a video of how to cut a fish randomly. I thought that was a coincidence, but totally wasn't um, for this moment. And so as I was looking at the dead fish and even afraid to touch it, I, I um, looked underneath the, the fish to find like, you know, kind of the, the red, pink, um, bloody area underneath the stomach. And when I, when I saw that and I was touching the fish, I, I heard in my voice, um, Jesus wept. Um, I think that's like the, I think that's the shortest Bible verse in, in the Bible. Um, or he wept or something like that. And, and then I just started seeing images of, 
you know, um, boats catching just like large amounts of fish. And, and I just reflected on the abuse of how much we've exploited our nature for our own, like, gluttonous gain, really. And so during that time, I was just, yeah, I just started blubbering. Um, I had heard my recently deceased cat's voice um, shortly after, and I knew that it wasn't, I knew that it wasn't Obi-Wan Kenobi. I, I, I had a cat named Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, <laughs> and um, I, she kept on howling as I was meditating. And, and so I would call her, I'd be like, lady, it's okay, lady. But she just kept on meowing, like howling. And, and so I realized, oh, you know what? I, I changed her name. Like when I got her from the, the pet shelter, her original name was Asha. I named her Lady Grey. And so I said, I, I, I addressed her as Asha and she stopped. Hmm. Then I started crying again. <laughs> and then, um, and then the, the craziest thing is, so I was meditating because I was definitely nervous about attending the Waters God conference. It was day two. And, you know, outside I started hearing a crow cawing three times repetitively. And it was, it was loud and it was very, um, it was very tense. I, and so it, it tensed me up and, um, you know, I felt called to go out there, but then I, f- I saw the image. I remember a video of Ted Bundy's last words that came onto my TikTok like a couple days before. Um, he basically talked about how, you know, why or like his justification for murdering like all these women and how porn is like a big thing um is a big you know like yeah and and so that that came that came back into my mind as i was stepping out and i was also imagining like people kind of screaming at jesus saying things like imposter, you shouldn't be here, stuff like that. And so I had that image as well when I was walking out and, and I felt like the crow was actually cawing at me because it was pointing directly at the screen of where I walked out to. And so I realized, oh, this is my ego death. This is my ego death moment, or this is like a really impactful ego death moment. And so I tried to like consult the crow (laughs) and like the crow just kept on cawing, wouldn't stop and cawing at me. And and so I I went back to reflect and realized just how abusive and neglectful I have been in my life to myself, to others. Um, And, and the, the amount of carelessness um, due to actions that, you know, in, in the end, when we're, when we are under the illusion, we don't even know the harm that we're putting onto other people. Like no one does. So everybody is triggering everybody else <laughs> and, and no one's getting better because of it, because no one's reflecting on, oh, wait, like, like I'm upset that she 
talked to me in this way, but maybe it's actually me. And maybe that's something that's a trigger that's happening from my past. Like that's something that I learned from my past. Maybe I'm just extremely sensitive because, you know, my, my, you know, for example, like, um, you know, our, our parents yelled a lot or, or maybe there's violence in the house, or maybe we were outcasted by our other siblings, or maybe we weren't, you know, the most popular kid in school or, you know, all of these, all of these triggers. Um, or maybe our family was, you know, or grew up poor or, um, and all, all the, all of these things that, um, that trigger us and we don't even know it. We just blame it on everybody else blame on everybody else and not, and not ourselves. So, so yeah, that, oh yeah. And then after, after the crow thing, of course I was blubbering and I went to my car to charge my phone because that's where the phone charger was. And I was typing everything down. I was like, I'm not going to forget this. Um, and there are some other internal reflections that I was dealing with during that, um, experience. And then for the first time, like the first time at my house, a bunny, <laughs> a bunny showed up right next to the passenger seat where I was sitting to like type everything up. And it was like right there, like within six feet of me. And I was like, this is insane. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't make this up. And so I was like, resurrection. <laughs> so, so yeah, it was just, yeah, I, I told my family that, um, I wrote, I wrote to Veda about that too. Um, but, but yeah, it was, uh, that, that was kind of like one of the biggest synchronistic events that happened. There are other things too, like, you know, a bunny has like leapt at me and, and then, and then left. And then there are two bunnies that day too, because I was walking and imagining, I was imagining myself hiking with Antony's guidance. And I, and I would, and then I saw a bunny pop up. Then I saw another bunny pop up, and then and then that second bunny just ran towards me, um, and like looked at me, like for a few seconds, ran towards me, and then just like disappeared into a bush, and so it was yeah, like things. So it's really, yeah. Sorry, oh man, that was a long time. Yeah, um, but yeah, there are a lot of synchronistic things that animals do, um, and yeah, all we have to do is pay attention to it. I agree with that. I think that there's a lot of messages that nature send us that um, I think many of us are, are perhaps blind to. And even those of us who claim to be like more aware sometimes forget that we should open our eyes and that there is no coincidental interaction with nature. That's all trying to give us some sort of message that we probably need really badly in that moment <laughs> or could benefit from. I had a profound hummingbird visit, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. I was having sort of a day and I was doubling down. I was like, sometimes when I like really need a little extra power, I just go sit in my garden, like right next to my copper antenna. I just like go right right to like ground zero of like, you know, the power spot in the yard. I don't always do that. It's sometimes that feels a little over the top, but like some days I need over the top. So I just went and like sat right in the middle of the garden, right by my big 14 foot copper wound antenna and uh doing some breathing and some meditating and just trying to manifest a positive outcome 
And um, I've had hummingbirds visit me there before, but this time two of them came. Like I've never seen two. And I was like, oh, fuck, I really needed two hummingbirds. Like, thank you. Thank you, hummingbirds. I didn't know how much I needed two of you today. <laughs> it really, it really was special to have the double hummingbird visit. I think I probably told you about that, Ben. Just reminding you that no one hummingbird can do it alone, Michael. That's right. Yeah. Victoria, the the crow moment, which you interpret as the ego death, followed by the bunny, which is the the rebirth of the resurrection, was that align does that align with you emerging from the dark night of your soul yeah i the water is god conference was i think that was in may well it's kind of interesting it's kind of like i had two dark night of the soul like i had like a I would say when I visited Sacramento in June, I, 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 I wrote this. Yeah, I did. I wrote this to you both, but um, I started to lose faith in spirituality just by going to Sacramento and seeing my family. And, and that's, that's when I reached out to Anthony because like what I said, we, we can't do this alone. Yeah, I, that was like um, I I needed I needed higher guidance, um, and I needed a good role model, I, like um, that I could speak with, um, and so I figured, well, the best thing to do is therapy because, <laughs> um, I don't even know how to speak about all of this information with people because even the people who knew, like there, there are a couple friends who knew about, there's really only one friend who knew about like the Anunnaki and, and COVID being a scam, but, but no, no one knew about like specifically germ theory, um, versus the terrain model, um, virology being yeah um yeah not not being a thing so so yeah as far as that that itself is already a huge revelation to find out to find out that you know all of this information that we've known for thousands of years but then has now been hidden um and then now is seen as as yeah, now, now is, is not even given the credit that it's due. Um, and yeah, I, I wanted to speak about that as well with somebody and, and other than, other than you both, (laughs) other than you both and everyone that you've interviewed and like, um, there, there, there wasn't anyone in my personal life. So, so yeah, that, that's why I needed somebody. I, I needed, I, I felt the calling to speak with someone about it um, who can verify back to me like, and what better person than somebody who's writing a book about big pharma. Um, But yeah, I I would say that was probably the, the water is God conference 
um, synchronistic experience was definitely was definitely a big shedding of my ego death um, or a big shedding of my ego or the unhealthy part of my ego during that time before I saw my family and then went back down into kind of a another another loop of a of a bit of a crazy state before I reached out to Anthony. And what did that that work with with Anthony and, and folks this is Anthony Samaroff who we had on I don't I don't even know how many episodes ago but um this is work that you're doing with Anthony and of course that's you know a lot of that is private but what has he helped you like uncover and move through He's taught me to love unconditionally because I didn't know how to do that properly for myself or for anything or anyone else around me. So with many, with all of these lessons that I've been learning, he's played multiple roles in my life already, multiple past roles, like past, past triggers or um, the lessons that he, that he has shown me, I've been able to reflect it back to where do these feelings come from? And then, and, and so he's, he's been, he's been acting as he's really, therapy is really, therapists really interpret what you're saying to identify the struggles, the current struggles that you're dealing with in order to then kind of reflect that back to you in a way for you to help yourself grow or and help your you yourself get out of it. And so so yeah, he's played many different roles. He's played many different roles already in my life. Sometimes he feels like my annoying dad who is like trying to get me to pick up my laundry or whatever. Um sometimes like he is sometimes I'm like the obsessive little sister that like wants to cling on to him. And yeah, and yeah, sometimes, you know, he's the teacher and I've either skipped out on school or I'm like daydreaming about something else like in class. And so he's already played many different roles. I'm learning how to, I'm learning how to learn properly. I'm learning how to love properly and I'm learning how to be able to, I'm learning, I'm learning to be able to be more observant within myself and externally in order for, for me to continue to grow because that's what we're meant to do. And when we, we, we enjoy growing, we enjoy um, gaining more wisdom. We actually enjoy all this stuff, but sometimes, sometimes our internal struggles, the things that we haven't dealt with yet will pull us back into that, you know, the fear-based state of, of no, like this is questioning everything that you're, you know, that you've, you know, this is questioning your life or this is questioning a past experience of yours, which, you know, yeah, it's, um, so yeah, he's played, He's played many different roles already, but but really he's teaching me to love unconditionally. And it's and it's it's not like I haven't it's not like I didn't love other people in the past. It's just that the love 
was unrequited um, and and had major flaws that we don't see within ourselves when we're under the illusion. Yeah. You know, one of the other things that I've, I've wondered in this conversation, you mentioned being drawn to the, the like chaplain work at the hospital because it was spirituality. It was spiritual based work. And I'm wondering where spirituality is for you now. And, and do you feel like you're still in a way fulfilling or serving towards that purpose of a spiritual based work in your life? And, and if so, like, how are you doing? So tell us about like where you are now. I did write something that I feel like would be, would, would help uh, um, answer this question. When I write things, I, I, you know, when I write things, I tend not to, um, I'm not great at improv, you know? Yeah. But, um, not great at improv at all. Neither is Mike. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Michael. Uh, Probably the best one here, Mr. Theater. Uh, yeah. If you have it in front of you, feel free. Yeah. Let it it fly. Yeah. Whenever we make our own opinion, our own viewpoint in life, we first explore all possibilities, right? Wouldn't we want to come to our own educated decision and conclusion by analyzing the possibilities, not just believing in the first possibility we see? If we were shown a Toyota Camry on day one, but there was a Jeep Rubicon or Mercedes on day three, wouldn't we want to wait until day three? We'd want to explore all possibilities we can, right? So what would make people only choose one possibility without exploring the others? When we don't know that we have a chance to explore possibilities, when we are shown only the Toyota Camry without knowing that we have potentially better options. So when we argue about germ theory versus terrain theory model, the people who argue on behalf of germ theory are the people who were taught their whole lives that germ theory is real. Where were you born? You were born in a hospital like many of us. You go to the hospital whenever your body exhibits symptoms. Well, this will go into spirituality, I promise. Um, <laughs> symptoms of, because it's interconnected. Um, some kind. You go to the hospital for emergency situations such as a broken finger, a cold, a flu, a UTI, sleep apnea, heart attack, high blood pressure, etc. The hospital is your savior, right? And you are frustrated that your body is constantly lagging behind. You're upset why you can't function daily without some coffee or Excedrin PM, Advil, Tylenol. Your stomach constantly feels bloated. You have trouble pooping. You can't sleep. You feel depressed. You hate your job. Your relationship is disappointing, etc. See how all this cycles. And then you're constantly disappointed with the, with the hospital because you get these temporary drugs with diagnoses, but you end up getting another odd sickness, one after the other, after the other, after the other. Hmm, that's weird. Why am I continuously sick or tired or dehydrated or inflamed or with high blood pressure? Also, why am I constantly stressed? Why do I judge and hate myself so much? Why do I have uncontrollable highs and lows throughout the day? Why do I feel disgusted or repulsed by people all the time? Why do I never have the energy to last throughout the day? Why am I constantly worried? Why am I barely surviving financially? It's a carnival. It's a merry-go-round of sick and depressed people going in and out and back in this hospital. When our body produces these signs, these symptoms like runny nose, vomiting, inflammation, etc., this is actually the body's way of getting rid of something that isn't supposed to be in the body. Inflammation is an internal surface for toxic particles. Glyphosate probably is 
something. Yeah, runny nose is due to pollution in the air. Vomiting is from something that you ate that is toxic, alcohol or rotting meat. The body has a mechanism, a system to get rid of things that are not good for your body. So why do we go to the hospital when we get symptoms like this? Because we've been told that these symptoms are bad instead of good. And then pharmaceutical drugs or shots suppress these symptoms and prevent the body from actually going through the process that the body is designed naturally to do to get rid of the bad things that we ate or drank. So instead of the body healing itself from what we ate or drank, now we're suppressing the bodily mechanistic system symptoms with pharmaceutical drugs and shots, which in the long term, if we keep on taking these drugs and shots, we're harming our body over time and may end up having heart disease, cancer, Alzheimer's disease, kidney failure, lung failure, stroke, heart attacks, you name it. Is this the way we're going to live? Or maybe does terrain theory actually have a point here? Is your pride worth risking your life and not living to the full potential that you would have wanted? Or do you love yourself enough to go down this rabbit hole of terrain theory and potentially save yourself from an unfulfilled life of untapped potential, depression, chronic illness, and unnecessary pain? What do you choose? For those of you who are listening to this now and don't believe me yet, what about my talking triggers you? You're triggered because you don't believe me. If you're triggered, that means that there's a part deep inside of you that is reacting very strongly to what I'm saying. Why does this information send a chill down your spine or causes you to stop breathing? Why are you having a hard time listening fully to what I'm saying? Do you really know that you are on that you are right and that I'm wrong? Are you sure deep within yourself? If you now wonder if you aren't actually sure, then that's great. It's better to feel not sure than triggered. At least you can feel comfortable more in not knowing than getting defensive or angry. And it's okay to not know everything. Do you, do you think we will ever be meant to know everything in this lifetime? Absolutely not. If we don't know all of the billions of people on earth, then we don't know. If we haven't stepped on every inch of land, then we don't know. The point of this lifetime isn't meant to know everything because that's impossible. And that's mind, that's mind control. We're just one person. So if we're not meant to know everything, then what are we meant to do here on earth? What is the meaning of life? How do we get over this existential crisis? The word know comes from the mind. The word love comes from the heart and the body. The words breath, wind, or blow comes from the spirit, life, mind, body, spirit. We are meant to knowingly love life. I know that I love my life. I enjoy living every moment. I am here in a library typing this and feeling so thankful for the journey that led me to here. I've been absent of food for two full days, well now three, and I've been dreaming about getting these oysters at a local restaurant, but also making my own homemade cashew banana coconut <laughs> cream. <laughs> 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 a little. Okay, yeah, I, I do love cashews, but I was I was making I, w- I was also thinking about making my own homemade cashew banana coconut ice cream with raw goat milk and just savoring every bite. Um, that's actually how it ended. <laughs> I think I want from here. I'm thinking about food. <laughs> did, you, did you, did you just leave the library and go right to the grocery store? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh. no the, the point is that <laughs> the point is that even with the struggle of the water fast, oh my gosh, the water water fasting is a struggle. Oh yeah, it, it totally is. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. I want to hear, yeah, I want to, I want to hear you both too on the water fast, but yeah, water, water fasting is a struggle, but I know that I'm healing. Like I know that I'm healing the small parts of me now, like the small little, small little triggers. So they used to be really big, but now, now that I'm cleansing my body, I'm detoxing. I, I feel, I already feel like my mind is processing out the negative things. Um, oh, of course, of course I want to mention like, um, like super wellness, end of COVID, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. As far as water fasting and then, yeah. If, Did, I mean, um, you like just to- launched into a water fast like this week. Am I, am I right? So it's really, uh, top of mind as we like to say for you. No, no. Cashews are top of mind. <laughs> <laughs> Because of the water fast. <laughs> yeah, they go hand in hand. Uh, I think, well, yeah, I want to hear about how that experience has been for you, but I'll share. Um, I only did, if I'm remembering correctly, of course, it is on the record. <laughs> we could look it up. I think I only did one day. I think my goal was to do two. I, I can't remember anymore. But um, I think it was two, did actually. Did I do two? Maybe I did two. I think you, yeah, you said you ate. You said you ate because your family or you went to a, an event right. in the afternoon or something like that. That's right. I went to a breakfast brunch with Kelly Krein and I wanted to enjoy that meal. That's right. So I broke. But anyway, um, you know, one thing I'm doing right now and like quitting caffeine as part of it is really trying to identify any and all addictions, um, the obvious ones and the not so obvious ones as a means to, I think, discover my true self, right? Uh, free from those crutches um even the innocuous ones like oh it's just my morning cup of coffee but like let's just let's let's throw it all up into the spotlight and see see what's real and of course the obvious addiction and i guess it's sort of uh touchy territory to use that word but not not really and we are all individuals is food like food for many of us we need food for sustenance but we also we all have bad habits surrounding food like especially living in like modern America, like you're just inundated with bad influences surrounding food in the the media, the propaganda, the grocery stores, the product placement. I mean, I don't have to go on. Like we know this to be true. And we all, what I find inspiring about you, Victoria, is that you're 27 and you're like having this uh, all happen to you now. Um, And you're like not hesitating you're just like, you're all in. And I, I'm a little envious of that because I think it's so beautiful to be that age and to be embracing knowledge like this and acting on it. Um, so, but that's so, but back to f- food and water, when you water fast, you are intimately interfacing with how you relate to food, especially after, say, half a day, right? You can, anyone can do like six hours, basically. Um, but when you really get to like the end of the day and like the, the, your thought patterns and your emotional state, like you go through a lot of an emotional roller coaster experience during a water fast because you're forced to realize how often you're suppressing emotions with a bite to eat. That's, 
that I think that's sort of universal, right? And so most people don't willingly enter into a water fast, but when you are, when you do, when you, it's like that whole thing with ice bathing and like, I can do scary things and like choosing to, to step into discomfort in a, in a culture that is addled with comfort after comfort, after comfort here, have, have a peppermint candy, have a, have whatever it is, like have a cigarette, have another cup of coffee, have a cookie, have a, have a television program, have a new season of Stranger Things. Oh, look, they rebooted Star Wars. It's like comfort, 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 comfort. Um, when you stop eating, you have to interface with the fact that you can't suppress it with hunger. And so it's sort of almost like a fast track of um, of coming face to face with your insecurities and your fears and your worries. And that's what it was for me, at least. And I only did it, like I said, I guess... Uh, I think what it was, was I had a cup of coffee. Uh, and then after my cup of coffee, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to start the water fast today, very spontaneously. And so I did that day and the next day, I think is what I did. But it was a lot of emotion to confront. And I was I didn't have the luxury of like just going and sitting in the garden and like, you know, just chilling the fuck out. I, like, I had to drive my daughter to like a Harlem Globetrotters basketball event at the gym, like this cacophonous situation. And like, I had to be- continue being a dad <laughs> with my like big old glass jug of water. It was, it was, it was really funny. It was a funny contrast, but I do. And, you know, and taking them for pizza, it's like the ultimate comfort American comfort food. It's like, um, there were a lot of feelings that come up when you water fast. So that, that's my take on it. And Ben, you did eight days, I think. Yeah. Yeah, eight days, I think. Well, first of all, Mike, for just having done two days, I shouldn't say just, for having done two days, like you're very articulate about what happens during a water fast. Um, and I, I I have to echo a lot of what you said. We we do, we, we comfort ourselves with food, the cravings. <laughs> Victoria, I mean, I had to laugh when you're talking about when you're writing meandered into your cravings. And that's <laughs> because that's what would happen with my mind during a water fast was I just started. I mean, I, I went through, I went through some of the most like pivotal changes in my life in that eight day span, a, a move from a state I'd lived in for like 20 years to a state that I thought I'd never get back to, which it was prompted primarily to, to give my son a really good educational opportunity like the finding the house, closing on the house, like happened in that eight days. Um, the the house that I'm in right now, when it went up on market, I looked at it and I went, there's no way this is going to stay. Like there, one, there's no way I'm going to be able to close on this house in this market. There will be people that come in with cash way over offer. And that's who, like, that's who will be selected. Everything that happened in the the drive over here to look at this house, it was all happening in the middle of my my water fast. The family that lived here were a very, very Christian family. And when I launched into the water fast, one of the things I started doing immediately was praying. And I'd pray to, I would pray to God, but it was, it was the, uh, the, the God, the indie God, I say, Mike, um, I love that. that. Um, and so right away there was this connection with this family that I'd never met before over their, you know, deeply, their deep, uh, spiritual beliefs and they were Baptists. My, my great grandfather was a Baptist minister and like immediately connected with this family. Um, and that period of time 
where there was this incredible clarity of thought. And what I, what I rediscovered was a deep, deep connection to a God that I had turned my back on so many years ago, you know, almost 30 years ago. Um, I don't think that, I don't know that, that any of this would be possible where I am right now in life, physically, geographically, all of it. I don't know if it'd be possible without that experience of fasting, which just cut through all of the noise and clutter that was in my life and did make me face the very real materialist cravings that I have and connections I have to, to food on a, on a very constant basis. After, after I discovered this house and I knew that I was going to come and look at it and was praying that I would live here, I found myself, this is again during my water fast, I found myself on the phone looking at the nearby restaurants imagining what I would order from the menus when I, when I moved here, which, which may have actually just been an incredible like manifestation visualization technique that helped me get here. I don't know, but that's where I was. And that's how real I was like, what am I doing? I'm supposed to be working and I'm thinking like, Oh yeah, that calamari looks really good. Maybe I'll get, maybe I'll get that in January. Uh, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> planning your January meals. I just, it was just ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Um, but I, it was, it was incredibly, it was challenging. And I think it was one of the more, more challenging things I've done in my life was to give up food for eight days. And like you, Mike, it's that I can do scary things. Um, and I look forward to my, my return to that state. I envy you where you are right now, Victoria, because as hard as it is, there was just so much incredible growth and I knew so much incredible uh, restoration and rejuvenation that was happening physically in my body. And then uh, at the same time, very, very clearly happening for me spiritually. Um, so I commend you on your decision to do it. And, and I, I hope you continue this journey and I hope you find amazing things at the end of it and throughout. You know, you already, you both already know that I've been inspired by, by you both since day one. So so, so yeah, this, thank you for, thank you for opening me to a world where, you know, I actually have hope in, you know, in humanity <laughs> because this, yeah, this, this space, this space is, is the hope for humanity. And, um, yeah, I was inspired by both of your water fast. Doesn't matter how many days, you know, but but I was inspired by by both of you trying it out and also trying out all of these other things. Um, you know, besides the water fast, just everything else. Like, you know, you you learn and and integrate like all all of these different things from 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 different people and I'm sure that I'm sure that and I've heard I've heard sometimes where you felt conflicted you're like wait this person says this this person says that what what you know but but the great thing about this podcast is that like you're you're bringing the realness into you're bringing the realness in with the audience of like you know what we don't have to be perfect but as long as we're trying, that's all that we can ask anyone for. It's like, yeah, we're, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, choosing to be friends with you guys because I believe you're perfect or anyone, 
anyone is perfect. And that's, we simply, we all simply can't be perfect. Like, um, you know, and this comes from obsessive compulsive disorder, you know, things like that. But, but yeah, yeah, the, the best thing, the really the best thing we can ask, you know, anyone else to do is to try. And, and yeah, that's, that's, that's how I got, you know, engulfed into your podcast is because the camaraderie of you both and checking up on each other, learning about this information, improving your lives. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's so, it's, it's so inspiring. It's so inspiring. And it's not a coincidence. It's definitely not a coincidence that I came across your podcast because, um, Yeah, from my heart, truly thank you for being the beacon of light for me in my own life and everyone you interviewed too. But thank you. Thank you both for everything. You're very welcome. And thank you for sharing that. And thank you for now being um, one of a few guests who've come on and shared their journey and their wisdom with us and and the rest of the world, Victoria. We appreciate you. We should probably ask you that question that we ask everyone. You're familiar with it because you are familiar with the podcast and you've had some time to think about it. Um, and I will say this, though, before I ask that question, Victoria, there's a lot, I think, that you're doing now in your life that we didn't touch on. So I think be great to have you back on and learn a little bit more about the services that you're offering now to the world and um, some of the ways that you're integrating what you've learned along your journey and then turning around and, and providing that to to everyone else. So hopefully we can get you back on to talk about that specifically. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Can I can I mention some things that I'm a part of though? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. Super wellness weekly inner reset, Dr. Edith. Um Go go check out Veda Austin, vedaaustin.com, for her water freezing technique, CMP. Um, I forgot, collective, collective molecular, something like that. Um, the end of COVID, Alex Zach, streaming for free in two days. I became an affiliate yesterday. Um, I got the highest membership. It was either premium or prime at Yummy Doctor, Amanda Vollmer, um, DMSO, amazing. <laughs> oh, I, you know what? I don't know why I'm saying this because, like, Everybody listens to your podcast anyway. Yeah, lay Everybody it here is there you go. Let it rip. Let it rip. <laughs> let it fly. Weston A. Price Foundation for any like raw, you know, raw goat milk, which is what I get. But, um, you know, also learning holistic things from other people, um, you know, being connected with your your local community, with people who who are truth seekers. That's Tom Cowan, Kelly Cry, and a lot of other people. Um, Inner Wealth Revolution. Um, I, the Inner Wealth Revolution is how to um, manifest wealth by by believing the wealth within oneself. That's um, Keisha, the Divine Priestess. She's on TikTok um, and Instagram too. Um, K e i s h a um, birth chart and transit reading. I got there. There's this phenomenal tarot card reader named um, Colleen Innes, also on TikTok, um, and spot on with with spot on with personally my journey but um you know um people can follow her too she has like eighty five thousand followers um 
level one practitioner course at Peak Flow is Rob Williams. Um, and then I went through the seven chakras with Lindsay. And then, of course, therapy, Anthony Samroff. Um, okay. Oh, yeah. And then as far as the – I think that's everybody. But, yeah, as far as the um, what I do to attend to my terrain, um, I definitely thought about this for a long time because I, I – I wanted to, I wanted to like ensure that I'm catching everything. So I related to fire, earth, air, water. Um, fire is stimulus, exercise, action. So it could be passion in there too. But um, fire and air are masculine oriented. Earth and water are feminine oriented. Um, but in the end, we all have these. We all have all of this within ourselves. Um, so for fire, usually for me, it's exercising, um, uh, hiking, um, anything that, that provides stimulus, like learning from someone. Um, yeah. Earth is connection to nature. So earth can be something easy, such as, you know, making breakfast for yourself. That's connection to nature. It can also, um, I ensure that I barefoot ground now. Like, um, I had to make sure I didn't bear for ground before, um, Mike came on. So when Mike came on, I was like, oh, I got to finish my chakras. And then also I got to bear for ground. Um, so because that, that, that definitely is frequency. Like we, a lot of this, a lot of the polarity of, of this world of division of so many, you know, all these different things, they, um, it, decreases our, our frequencies if we continue to pay attention to it. So, so barefoot grounding, hands and feet. I like to do hands and feet, um, sometimes heads, ha- head, hands and feet. Um, even just feet is great. Air, um, breathing, meditation. So, so yeah, and usually that has to be in the morning. Um, yeah, exercising and, and breathing usually have to be in the morning. Uh, water is creativity, love, reflection. So it could be, um, drawing or my therapy reflection. I have like my therapy, my therapy reflection to Anthony is like 200 pages of a book. Like a, it's like 120 something pages of Microsoft Word documents. But so that's, that's kind of how I get most of my reflection, um, but yeah, creativity, love, it could be playing guitar, it could be drawing, um, listening to music. So I like to go by fire, earth, air, water. It's beautiful. Amazing. And Victoria, where can the listener learn more about you? You can learn more about me at www.divinspiration.org. I do offer counseling and coaching. Um, this is definitely more consciousness related and spiritual, spiritually related, um, because as a person, it is mind, body, spirit. It's encompassing all of it. Um, you're welcome to go on terrainscience.com for any articles relating to the terrain model, terrain science, um, learning more about your body, um, learning how the body actually works and ways for us to improve our health. Um, you know, I'm on TikTok with 
Inspiration. I'm on Instagram, rdivinspiration. And this is a beginning thing. So, you know, it'll progress over time. But yeah. It's wonderful. Victoria Quinn, thank you so much for coming on Train Theory. Thank you. Thank you both. It has been a pleasure to be here. All in the pineal room. The after party, the after party in the pineal room. Mikey Mom, welcome to the after party in the Pioneer Room. I'm so glad to be here, always. <laughs> uh, one of your one of the greatest points you made in recent history is the like indie religion. Mm, I love indie that idea. Spirituality. <laughs> indie spirituality. Um, the re- the real Jesus was unsigned, man. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't on no label. He's <laughs> a garage band basement rocker. That's right. Which he yeah. kind of was, wasn't he? Yeah. Wasn't he just sort of like this guy who was not, he didn't associate with anything that was established. Yeah. He frowned upon some of the practices of so the, the established goes. religion of the time. So the story goes. Jesus yeah. was unsigned. <laughs> There's like, that's good. That's a bumper right? sticker. Yeah. yeah. Well, or, it comes from you. Yeah. Good. You're the inspiration, sir. Yeah. That was a nice little breakthrough talking to victoria um yeah. i love her her journey as someone who's who sort of who started in more of a mainstream religious place but and knew that she wanted some sort of spiritual career and ended up in the hospital working with the chaplains and then and then so the story goes like her world sort of got blown up by covid and terrain theory awareness and and then she sort of stumbled into this, like she's all in on this indie spirituality journey. Yeah. You know, we like to sometimes, well, I look more to you as a guy who does a really amazing job of going from appreciation to integration. Like you're able to adopt these things like pretty dang quickly and stick with them. Uh, but she might have both of us beat. Yep. I mean, it, she's yep. doing the peak flow. She, what She listed off all the different things that she's doing. Yep. Um, she's going to like Weston price chapter meetings, peak Veda's flow, workshops, Veda's workshops. Right. Um, just like, like truly, truly, truly all in. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty wild. It's really wild. It's mysterious. It's like, wow. And again, I, I'm trying to put myself in her. Look, Ben, we're what? 47. 46. I don't use age. <laughs> I don't use those words. Yeah. Um, nature still loves me. <laughs> I, I have I have no fear of nature not loving me, but <laughs> I'm not 27. And just like your your mind is just in a different place as a 20 something, it just is. It just oh, is. And so, so, you know, like physicality aside, like you know, like the mind, body, spirit, like the body part is what it is. But like your your the way you see the world, think about the world, and process the world. Granted, I can't speak to how uh, people, young people see the world in like the hyper digital post COVID psyop reality. Like that's a whole other context that I can't even necessarily untangle, but just, I do remember the types of shit I was thinking about as a 27 year old. And it certainly wasn't terrain theory. So just that alone, I found really sort of inspiring that there's someone her age that's like taking this on and getting fired up about it at that age, because, um, there's like a magic to to the energy of a 20 something like when you get 
what I perceive to be fired up about like the right shit. Like Lord yeah. knows I was fired up about all sorts of bullshit. Yeah. And at the time you're so sort of entitled, you know, stereotypically speaking, like you think like, you know, you know everything and that you're on the cutting edge. But for her to sort of be on the cutting edge of what I perceive to be the good shit, I find, you know, fucking awesome. Yeah, a lot of overlap between like that, her and say like a Jacob Diaz who we had on recently. Also like a young, young guy in his 20s. Exactly. Who, who's pouring everything. I mean, he's got a full-time job, but then he's pouring everything yep. into this terrain space, this terrain conversation, the end of COVID. Yep. Shout out Jacob Diaz. Actually, I started implementing the uh, the Borax protocol, the diluted borax in an attempt to try and like really resolve. I have this one, I guess I'll use the mainstream term, this sort of arthritic joint in my pinky finger. And I just cannot, it's not getting worse, but it's not getting better. And maybe it is getting worse actually, because I can't actually straighten it perfectly anymore. My left one's fine. Straight is narrow. This one's got a little kink, just that last pinky joint. And borax is supposed to be particularly good for arthritis. So I figured I'd Add it to the habit stack. And how's it going so far? So far, so good. In fact, I made my first solution. Um, and again, don't take this from me, folks, but Jacob did a great post about it from the doctor who sort of stumbled upon this treatment, which was subsequently banned by Aust- the country of Australia <laughs> because right. it was challenging the pharmaceutical industry. Duh. Um, but it's a table, a teaspoon of borax which is just one ingredient it's sodium something with a t um and when it is in your body it changes to one of the essential mineral salts as i understand it um and it's in a i believe a liter of water diluted and you take just a teaspoon twice a day with food i did a heaping teaspoon because i didn't read it carefully and I was probably being careless and rushing. And the very first day I got like very itchy eyes. Like I felt an immediate allergic reaction. Like, okay. And my eyes actually got a little bloodshot. I was like, okay, <laughs> I got to go read this again. This and, I, and so I, it's classic, classic possible Mike. Classic Mike. Um, so I dumped out that batch and because it's fucking borax and it's like, it's like, you know, I can be very precious about things that like, like Opal spilled a bottle of cell salts yesterday. I was like, ah, I was like that shit's expensive. It's all over the floor. It's rolling around like fuck. But you know, borax is like borax. There's a whole box of it. So I just right. made another, another solution. And I followed the instructions more carefully and it's been smooth sailing since then. My, my pinky is not any different, but I'm curious to see, you know, give it a month or two. That's yeah. something I'm willing, willing to try. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Shout Thanks out to, to shout out to Jacob. Yeah. Yep. And um and I've I've started doing the uh the Soleil water. So that was one of his new non-negotiables, which oh, is what just is basically that? so Soleil water is just basically like salt saturated water. So you take like sea salt or Himalayan salt, um, I think it's like a quarter of a cup, put it in a mason jar, fill it with water, you know, sort of stir it, cover it, let it sit for 24 hours, and the water will just get like saturated, completely saturated. Super saturated. And then okay. you just take you know, take a little bit of that, put it in with your regular water and you drink it. So you make sort of a, a concentration of the salt water yeah. and you add it to your water. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I can't say I've noticed a huge difference one way or another, but, yep. um, you know, all systems go. So, yep. 
Jacob Jacob Diaz changing the world. But I think Victoria's on her on her way to changing the world. I mean, she's so she's she's already started. You know, she's got her own basically like business where she's doing like it's more than we've of, done. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to derail you, but it is interesting. It is interesting. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna sit with this feeling of triggeredness. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm, I don't want to I don't want to move on from this emotion. I want to fully process That's it. it. That's why we quit caffeine to feel More, the feelings. Feel I'm gonna feel the feelings. I want to feel the pain. I feel the pain of everyone, and then I feel nothing. It's more than yes. You know what? At that age, yes. It is. That's what I'm talking about, about being a 20 something. It's like, you yes. get inspired. You're like, fuck yes. it. I'm all in yeah. starting the Instagram account. So, I'm taking clients. Like, let's go. Yes, exactly. Um, all in, like, you know, just seeing Anthony Samaroff, having a mentor, like finding a mentor. Boom. I'm going to find a mentor. She found a mentor. She's accumulating other mentors, uh, educating, educating herself and starting this, you know, starting a business that is spiritual related and helping people, but also in this space, you know, something that she's going to earn, like earn money, build, like build a reputation, all that stuff, build a clientele. Um, I just, the all, the all in this is, is, uh, so admirable. Yeah. It's something we've sort of wrestled with a little bit because we don't want, you know, imposter syndrome or to be thought that we're like trying to monetize something that's so important. But, um, it's interesting. It's something I think again, as like older people, maybe we're maybe cautious to a fault about figuring out what that next step is. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't go into the age thing, but I am, I am picturing an hourglass that has more sands on the bottom half than on the top half. <laughs> I don't no, know why Kylie that picture Zach told me I'm only a third of the way through. Remember yeah, when I said that? I'm sticking with that. That's right. That's right. And uh, apparently, if if we just really manifest it, whatever afterlife that we think we're going to have or want to have, we can have. We're all just one consciousness. We are all our all God, right? Correct. Um, according to the video you sent to me recently, um, "Good morning" was your <laughs> was your declaration <laughs> on the heels of that mind blowing video that I watched like three times in a row. <laughs> and and, and like Chris one. Alvarez, who might be listening, I was like, "Is it is it scary that like most of this resonates really deeply?" That I <laughs> just sort of nod my head and go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Like none of it actually felt surprising. It yeah. was just kind of fun and unique to hear it through that man's you know his his. Uh, delivery yeah. style yeah my fuck i mean all of ours i uh, the instagram feed like the algorithm some days it's just like so dialed in on the deepest craziest shit and you're just yeah. like as chris alvarez would say put it straight in my veins straight in my veins <laughs> yeah so but anyway uh i really loved uh, what the phraseology victoria used about the um how our culture intentionally promotes an imbalanced root chakra <laughs> That's so much more articulate than saying we're just like a bunch of sex addicts. And and I think she's right. In, yes. An intentionally promoted imbalance of the root chakra is a really great way to frame that. And I've been thinking about that a lot. I think I even dropped that in conversation uh, recently and I got a, a funny look. But it was worth that's trying. Like, that's the desired effect, is it, it not? It was worth trotting out. Exactly. <laughs> what the fuck did I expect? Right. Yeah. 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 Say it again. Uh, an intentionally promoted imbalanced root chakra. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. The intentionally promoted bit is, I think, what was um, what was sort of 
astute and, and not, obvious too. But when you look at the culture in the movies and the you know the way Food, sex is is sex. embedded in everything, not yeah. even just the surreptitious shit like the Lion King logo, but like just every movie, every TV show, every everything that has men and women relating to each other is like really overblown with the sex and the nudity. And, and I think about like the content that I've absorbed over 47 years, Ben. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. I would say it's an intentionally promoted imbalance to be sure. And and that most of that was uh, without social, like without social media, without the internet. That's right. And you add the internet and now it's just at everyone's fingertips. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, I, I really resonated with a lot of where Victoria's at and where she's at in her journey. And I can't remember if something she said or I just wrote down here, but this idea of like, I remember being pretty hurt and like fragile and frail when I, and like scared when I was young. But it's because somehow I knew how fucked up the world was and that it like had to change so drastically. And I even had this sense that it was probably going to happen like during my lifetime. And I, I think as a kid, I felt like ill-equipped to like deal with like the weight of that. But I think I was right. And I think she senses it too. And I think we are right. And that's, that's just part of just like being born with a, with a certain intuition, I think that you maybe don't understand as a kid. Do you think though that, do you think that every generation believes that they're living in the times that are going to drastically change? Hmm. Do you think that's just a commonly held experience like across, you know, thousands of years back everyone felt that it's a great question probably some people did for sure yeah because i i i i feel that way too i mean i feel that way now i felt that way for some time but but i wondered i wonder too it'd be fun to to time travel back into the mind like our brains as you know young 20 year olds like what exactly we thought was going to change like what exactly at that time felt like the most you know pressing urgent matter um, that was going to lead to like a world altering, you know, scenario. And I, you know, it's not what, it's not what it is now. Like the, those thoughts have evolved, right? I mean, the way that, the, the, the you know, that matter, uh, that scenario looks a lot different in our imaginations now than it did in our twenties. Certainly. Um, at least the way that power is built and works, but I think there's plenty of crossover in the broad strokes. Like, you know, you and I were not, it wasn't lost on us that everything in the grocery store was wrapped in plastic. It wasn't lost on us that you don't want to be huffing the exhaust behind any car on the freeway. It wasn't lost on us that like industrial agriculture is probably not the way we should be doing it. Right. These are, these things are still true. Yeah. It wasn't lost on us that like, free energy probably is a thing that is suppressed right yeah. and that power power sort of corrupts and and um and and, and causes a stagnancy of ideas yeah I, su I suppose i just don't i don't know that i was as nuanced in my thinking then as i no, am now. certainly I, not but the broad strokes i think we were sort of aware of i would say yeah you're probably right you're probably right yeah well here's to Many more sands in the hourglass. Yeah. Um, and then I guess here's to Victoria. Like, long long may she journey. Long may she sojourn. 
Absolutely. Yeah, and let's just touch on before we wrap her. Her uh, have. By the way, folks, we're doing this after party like a, a few days after the episode, so it's not like fresh top of mind. But it was one of my favorite non-negotiable uh, relays that 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 she shared, tying it into the, the elements. I thought was really beautiful. Yeah, really well done. Really well done. It's a lovely framework by which to live a day. Exactly. Am I touching on all four of these things? Yep. I really yeah. like that a lot. So good. Show. Folks, nothing you heard here should be taken as medical advice as neither Mike nor I are medical experts. Remember that you are light. You are love. Jesus was unsigned, man. <laughs> you are your primary healthcare provider. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. <laughs>